Yes, today I am joined by WPLG sports director, anchor, and reporter for the Miami Heat. What's going on, Will? I'm good, man. You know, still uh, still the high for the regular season, and uh, looking forward to blue season in just a couple months. Yeah, it's been crazy right now. First of all, welcome to, welcome to the NBA panel. Thanks for joining me. So, how's things going over at um, w, WPLG with this COVID outbreak? How are you guys handling that situation? Oh, man, thankfully, you know, like everybody, you're a little nervous at first. You know, we had to kind of change our protocol and stuff in the station. We had, you know, you kind of have to live in that new reality. But thankfully, now everything's good. You know, we're used to it, but now it's funny. Now I go into work, and in the old days, you go in and you go chat and catch up to everybody. Now you kind of go into your desk and you're protected by, by like, a, like barriers, and, you know, you got to keep your mask on. So it's like everybody, man, just getting used to it and dealing with it. Right. So how this Miami Heat season was a special one. Some might say they overachieved, but some might say it was right on time. I mean, we had the great Pat Riley put together another great team. He brought over Jimmy Butler, which is a stolen heart. I mean, the team followed his lead. Talk about this on past NBA season and how the Heat just did what they do. You know, it's funny because I, I, I get people wanting to say, and it's, okay, it's fair to say that they overachieved. But I think that's more over from the outside than out from the inside because I really thought, you know, in training camp back when things were normal, I remember this team right. really believed that with Jimmy and if Bam can evolve and they were talking about how good Tyler Hero could be, I don't think anybody knew he could be that good, especially, you know, key moments in playoff games. But right. they felt that guys were going to improve. But we have to think back to training camp. I mean, the Heat had Justice Winslow entering as their starting point guard. You, know, you were wondering what you were going to get out of Deion Waiters and James Johnson. That right. feels like five years ago, but it was this last season. And then, you know, everything happens the midseason trade. They get Iggy. You know, they get Jay Crowder, who, who became a pivotal guy in the starting lineup. And all of a right. sudden, just the complexion of the team changed. You know, those young guys I talked about, like Duncan Robinson as well, just developed. And I don't think, you know, I think when you look at it, they were a year ahead of schedule, definitely, in the sense that, hey, they got to the finals. They got to the game six of the NBA Finals. But right. I think from within, when they added Jimmy, they felt they were a contender in the East. And if you're a contender in the East, that means you can win it and represent the conference in the finals, which in this crazy season is exactly what they did. Definitely. I totally agree. This was a totally different team from the regular season to the, or to the Orlando bubble. They totally slipped the switch and <laughs> they left it all on the floor. Now, the Miami were a fifth seed. In the regular circumstances, they wouldn't have been – we don't have home court. So in the bubble – there wasn't there wasn't any home court. It was just you and your teammates had to depend on each other. How much of the factors do you think that played into the um heat the heat season once it got to Orlando? You know, I, I think it's funny because some people look at it as an advantage, saying, "Well, you know, hey, if they had been going on the road, they wouldn't have won games in Milwaukee and they wouldn't have won games in Boston." You know, you could flip that and say Boston Milwaukee would have had a tough time winning games in Miami. But I think right. the reality is this. When you're in a bubble setting, you just have to worry about basketball. There's really no outside influence. You know, as beautiful as family and life is, in the bubble, that didn't exist. I mean, you had to basically just play basketball, get tested, sleep, play basketball, get tested, sleep. And that's all they did for, you know, three months, two or right. two, three months. So when you look at that neutral setting, I think the Heat, they said it all along, were built for that bubble. They have a... This is where that heat culture and that toughness comes into play. The heat pride themselves on being tougher, stronger, mentally stronger, physically stronger than anyone in the league. And sometimes, you know, that doesn't matter because you saw it in the finals. The heat was physically strong and they did what they could mentally. But in the end, LeBron James was LeBron, AD was AD, and the Lakers won the championship. But 
when you talk about the course of the bubble those months, I, there wasn't a tougher team than the Heat. There wasn't a team that was more prepared for that kind of grind, and it was right. a grind to make it all the way to a game six in the NBA Finals. Definitely. Yeah, they took out the Bucks in the second round. A lot of people didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. But once they got there, a lot of people saw them going to the Finals, and they came through. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, once they got by Milwaukee, I think it kind of showed them, like, hey, man, we're, we're as good as anyone. And, you know, Boston's a good team that played them tough during the regular season, but right. I thought they matched up well going in. I mean, once they beat Milwaukee, I really felt they were going to the finals. And they proved that in the final, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and I really thought they could give L.A. six, seven games. They ended up giving them six. The whole right. thing about whether Gorin or Bam were healthy, obviously that's a big question. But, you know, in right. the end, injuries happen. Guys get banged up as the season goes on. This was a grind, and the Lakers withstood they kept, right. you know, enough of their key guys healthy. They got you know, luck on their side, certainly, with that, and then skill as well. They won a good series. Right. The Heat were down 3-1, and Jimmy Butler went off in game five. He took about his performance to save the series and extend it, because that was one of the most epic performances we've ever seen in NBA Finals. I mean, triple doubles in the NBA Finals, the way Jimmy was getting them. And, and not just that, but like you said, it down 3-1, down 2-0. These are games where your team is on the verge of getting – not just beat, but beat down. You know, if you get to the finals, you get swept. Or right. you barely win a game and you lose in five. All of a sudden, everybody's just going to say, hey, you were a joke. You, were, you weren't worthy there. You lucked in. Jimmy made sure that wasn't going to be the case. You know, he right. single-handedly led that team. And whether people want to, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> Pat Riley was right in saying that I would love to have seen what the Heat could have been in that series with a healthy Gorn and Ban. Right. It may not have mattered. I, you know, it's still maybe maybe the Lakers still won that series. They probably do. The Lakers were the best team in the league during the year when you really look at their body of work and obviously having LeBron. Right. But Jimmy willed them with two of their key guys banged up or out and put on performance for the ages. You know, so when you look at that series, I know that LeBron was the MVP. They won the series deservedly so. But right. I thought that through five games, the best player in that series was Jimmy Butler. What Jimmy did in that series to, to propel his team to a game six to have a triple-double the way he did, a 40-point triple-double, and all the things he did in that series, those are just things that in the history of, our, of the sport, in the history of that league, you don't see that happen. And he did it twice, in game three and in game five. Exactly. And Eric Spolstra was getting respect to the reserves. I believe he's starting to get now. <laughs> I mean, he believes in his Heat team. And at every press conference, you could tell he was emotional he really believes in his team. He some of the effect that he has on the team and the way to believe in him also? Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've always said, and then sometimes you know, I'm to the point now where, especially on social media, that I don't even bother arguing with people when they tell me they don't think Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league because his body of work is, you know, yes. he was handpicked. This is, this is where I start with Spo. He was handpicked by Pat Riley to be the successor, to be the next Riley. What, that's like saying Michael Jordan handpicked a player and said, I want him to be the next me. Or you, right. know, you go through any sport or any grade and say, that's the, that's the heir apparent. Pat Riley handpicked Spo, which tells you all you need to know about what he thinks of Eric Spolster as a coach and as a motivator. Then right. he goes out and he wins with young teams, gets to the playoffs, gets the big three together. Everybody says, oh, you, who can, who, of course you could coach with the big three. Well, guess what? Over the, history, over the last you know, 10, 15 years, there have been a lot of star teams that haven't won championships because you need the right mix. Eric Spolster proved they could do that. And then with this team, with everything that happened in the last five, six years, with CB going down you know, and, and not being able to finish his career, and Dwayne Wade leaving and then coming back and all the up and down and, and not being able to nab key free agents. They went after KD. They went after Hayward. didn't work out. 
Right. He kept chugging along with whatever he was given on the roster. And then this year he brings this roster together and leads into a, you know, an NBA Finals. If you don't think Eric Spolscher is a good head coach and one of the best head coaches in the league, then you just don't understand the game. I hate to be that blunt. You just don't know what basketball is because there isn't a person, a coach, a player in that league that won't tell you that Eric Spolscher is one of the best coaches that there is. All right. You spoke a little bit earlier, Tyler Hero. <laughs> he's playing like he's not a rookie. I mean, when him and Tim and Duncan Robinson together, when the Heat are clicking and them two are hitting their shots, the Heat are damn near unbeatable. We've seen this in the NBA Finals. I mean, we saw glimpses. And Ty Hero, he hits tough shots. He spreads the floor. You have Duncan Robinson on, on the perimeter. He has one of the best strokes I've ever seen in the game, and that's not an understatement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing with Tyler, too, is that he, he's not afraid of the moment, and that's not, you know, that's not a stat. That's not something you can't measure. But in a, in a series like that and in the course of the playoff, it can't just be Jimmy doing everything. Right. And, you know, Bam had the big series against Boston in the, in the closeout game with the, all the things that he did. You know, he was phenomenal. Gorn had his moments as well. You know, going into the finals, he was the Heat's leading scorer for the playoffs. But you need that someone else that can pick up the slack somewhere and isn't afraid to take the big shot. Man, Tyler proved he was that guy, you know. And they talked about it all year that he's fearless, that he doesn't care, that he's not scared. And, you know – you hear it and you see it during the regular season at times, but yeah, here's this 19, eventually turned 20 year old rookie that you're thinking, this kid, you know, he he can't deal with the pressure of the playoffs right now. Right. What right. does he know? What does he experience? He went out there and he was just a killer. I mean, he was just a killer. He went out there and he wasn't afraid. And you saw him even on nights that he didn't have good nights. And look, he, it was a grind for him. LA played him tough and they made it. They forced him to things he maybe didn't want to do. But he kept on going, and I think that's the sign of a guy who's going to be a special player because the skill's there. You know, you mentioned his, his jumper's as smooth as could be. His skill set, as, as you know, he's not afraid to attack the basket. But when that game is in line and you need a big shot, more often than not in that postseason run, he hit it. He hit it. You know, you're you're down three, you're up three. It's two minutes left, whatever it may be. He right. just spots up and hits the shot, whether it's driving and finishing with a crazy layup or hitting a long three. And I think when you look at that from a 20-year-old, the Heat have got themselves a player, man. They just do. And they, and they saw that, that he could be that guy, and I don't even think right. they knew he could be that guy this quickly. Yeah, I think he's going to be the Miami family for a long time to come. <laughs> yeah, <I> really, <laughs> special, man. I really believe that. About Duncan Robinson again, I love when he comes off screens. You can't give him any space. All the time now since, since COVID and everything, and we're not around the team. What do you miss most, you know, about not covering the team or not being around? And honestly, being at the games is great. I mean, I love being at the games. Who doesn't? But honestly, right. to me, I miss watching the warm-ups, watching three, four hours before the game when no one's there. There's no fans there. There's no media there. And I would sit courtside getting ready for my day, and right. I would watch Duncan and Tyler. But now we're talking about Duncan specifically, working with the assistant coaches on coming off screens, on taking a shot right as he catches it, on falling out you know, from the corner, taking a three. And you sit there and you go to yourself – man, why is he practicing all these crazy plays? Why isn't he just practicing more, you know, the catch and shoot, the smooth pass, you know, to the open three? You know, what you want in a game is that space, right, right, and that pace. But here's the thing. Those guys are are conditioned and trained to hit those shots. It's those shots that I'm talking about now, the ones when you're, you know, getting thrown to the side, fall out of bounds, when you're getting the ball and there's a guy in your face, when you don't have time to really set and and shoot with with rhythm. Those are the shots that, that I would love to watch him. And you watch him shoot 20. 30, 40, 50 of them, three, four hours before the game, and you're sitting there going, man, he's making them like a 60, 70% rate. What the hell? How, how does he do this? <laughs> and then you see it happen in the game, and you're like, ah, man, now I get it. 
this is why the coaches push him around. This is why they force, you know, two bodies on him in pregame and why they have hands in his face. So that in moments like that, when a team and in a key moment, those things happen, you're conditioned to just shoot and make, and you're expected to make those shots. Right. Yeah, well, I was trying to reference you a little bit earlier with Clay. He reminds me of Clay Thompson with his release. It's just automatic. Like, you expect the shot to go in. It's crazy. Yeah. This team, Clay, I love – one thing I love about this team is they play as one. Everyone plays their role, and they do it to the best of their ability. Like, Ben Lavallo got hurt, and you could tell they needed him. But when he's on the court, he's the heart of the defense, and they feed off of him. I love the way this team plays as one unit. I mean, well, that's the thing with this team, though. I mean, I think what you said initially was was the thing. You know, people ask as well, you know, often, like, what's the Heat culture about? And in this playoff run, we talk already about the bubble and the toughness and stuff. Right. In this Heat playoff run, you know, that mentally tough stuff does come from the Heat culture. But I think the most important thing of the Heat culture is guys have to understand that in this culture, it doesn't matter what your salary is. It doesn't matter what your role is, whether you're a starter or reserve or you're at the end of the bench. You right. better do your job, and you better do your job when you're asked to do it, and you better be ready to do your job. So, you know, you look at guys like, let's go through the list of guys like Kendrick Nunn and Kelly Olenek and Myers Leonard, and you go down the list of guys, you know, even Jay, even Solomon Hill got some run during the playoffs and in the finals. Right. If you are not playing and you don't play for four or five games in a row, at some point you're going to get your number called, and you better be ready, and you better not mope, and you better produce. And that's the beauty of this team. They all buy in, all 15 guys. Like, if you put me in, I'm going to do my job. doesn't mean every guy's going to hit every shot. doesn't mean you're going to play, you know, you're going to stop everything. But you're going to right. do your best and be in the best position and give your best. And I think that's what was so much fun about this team that made it to the finals was that every guy truly believed and every guy mattered. You know, you go down the list, every guy – pretty much had a, you know, it's almost like the guy who came runner-up to rookie of the year in the league was a forgotten right. man by the NBA Finals to some. And that tells you how much guys bought in and how much guys were needed because they all stuck together to make that run. Right. Pat Riley, the general, he said the right things after the Heat lost. He had to clear up his um, comment about an asterisk, but I don't think he had to. But, I mean, how, how hungry do you think he is to get the Heat back to the Finals next year? Because I know it kind of stung me to LeBron. <laughs> I, I mean, look, man, if there's anything I've known from covering Pat for 20-plus years now, and, you know, I covered yeah. him when he was a head coach with the Heat, and obviously now he's an executive for the last decade plus, right. and what he's, he's created. And, and the Miami Heat aren't the Miami Heat without Pat Riley. You know, the right. day that Mickey Harrison found a way to bring Pat Riley over from the Knicks and, and brought him to Miami, it changed the landscape of the city. It changed the landscape of our sports, and it obviously changed the landscape of the Heat franchise. Right. Pat has said it, and you've probably heard it, and your listeners have heard it, that there's winning and there's misery. So even though the Heat got to game six of the finals and Heat fans are feeling pretty good about the future, Pat Riley was pretty miserable afterwards. And while he's proud of this team, and you said that he said all the right things, he knows that these opportunities to get to the NBA finals and to get right. deep into the finals don't come often. You know, in all the years right. he's been in, he's won a lot of finals, but he's lost a lot of playoff games and he's lost the seasons where he didn't even make the playoffs. He knows how hard this is. So to answer your question, you know, Pat joked the other day in that news conference, like, stop saying my age. You know, you guys stop reminding people I'm 75, make it sound like I'm on my way out or something. But, right. you know, the reality is he's got a window now where this is his stretch run of being an executive, whatever, the, if he says another five, ten years, whatever he's able, you know, health-wise and, and right. passion-wise. But he's, he knows these opportunities are limited. So he will do anything. That's why when people talk big picture about, well, do you think this guy's going to get traded? Do you think they go after this guy? My answer is always yes. Meaning, right. I, I put anything outside of trading Bam and Jimmy on the table. I mean that. 
Anything outside of trading Bam and Jimmy, to me, is on the table and Pat's quest to win a championship. It doesn't mean that every guy is expendable. It doesn't mean that he wants to get rid of guys. That right. means that if he can get a superstar and find a way to win a championship, he will do it. Yes, yeah, so the Heat coming off of a money off a of, um, finals appearance, and the seat, the NBA is thinking about starting back up in December, which will give the Heat only like two months off, and they had a strong run. And I know they need some rest. How do you feel about the um the season possibly starting in December? How it might affect the Heat? Well, you know, obviously the Heat and Lakers are going to be the two teams most affected right. because of the short off season. You look, you know, half the league that didn't make the playoffs or that wasn't in the bubble, roughly half the league, they haven't played since March. You know, these guys have been sitting out for nine months when it's all said and done. So it's going to be a unique league when it comes back. If it is, you know, late December, like they're talking about right around Christmas, right. how would it affect the Heat? Honestly, my, you know, without knowing what the guys are doing now, I know the guys are trying to take some time off and enjoy, but they're going to get jumped back in, trained, but I would expect that over the course of the season, you'll probably see more days off for Jimmy Butler, you know, on a back-to-back maybe. You'll probably see more rest. You know, if everything goes well and they keep Gorn, you'll probably see more rest for Gorn. I wouldn't doubt if maybe they try to, you know, with Bam as well, because if right. there's anything they learn from this bubble run is that the key to this team is just be conditioned, healthy, and right. playing at your best entering the playoffs, no matter how it happens. So my, my honest take is, this team always plays hard, and whatever this team looks like when it comes back, whatever changes are made, I think all teams, in particular the teams that made runs deep into the playoffs, and the Heat obviously being one of those teams, you've got to be careful with your guys and, and, and whether it's a 65-70 game season because the playoffs is what matters, and you want to keep guys healthy and fresh. And it's going to be a grind, man. These guys are the best conditioned athletes you'll find, but turning around in two months and getting back into a schedule isn't easy. Yeah. What he just said in their chemistry – he has chemistry, obviously. One thing the Clippers didn't have. That's why they got bounced early than everybody else expected. They have, they have chemistry, and that's what he was saying during a playoff run. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's a hundred percent it too. And that, that's and the, what I love about that team too. And that's why Pat mentioned the other day he might, you know, he's fine with running them back if that's what it ends up happening. You know, obviously he's right. able to improve, but I think he understands that that chemistry is rare. That belief in each other is rare. These guys, and again, I haven't been around them since March, but in being around them from October to March and going around the games, especially the home games and seeing them behind the scenes, these guys were always joking pregame and smiling and laughing and, you know, joking. And they love, genuinely love each other and each other's families. I mean, this is a real tight-knit unit. So if they come back, that chemistry is something that can't be fake. It can't be – you can't practice chemistry. You either have it or you don't. You either buy into each other like each other or you don't. They 100% do. And Dan Craig is moving on to the Clippers. You think this might promote from within to replace that position? You know, it's a good question because it's a fresh thing that, that just happened the last, what, 24, 48 hours. Right. Uh, Dan is uh, one of the nice people ever and, and my role with the Heat, one of the things I get to do you know, during home games is interview the assistant coach you know, during the half. And So right. I've interviewed D.C. many times, and, and he is – genuinely one of the good guys in basketball, likable, smart. And I think sometimes you, know, you, don't, you forget, because you don't really see or hear much of them, how important assistants are to Eric Spolster. And I, look, Spol would tell you, these guys are in my ear, reminding me of, of timeouts, reminding me of, of what, things are happening with the zone, of what's going on with this, and this trend, what's going on here, how many fouls a player has. You know, These are things as a head coach, you, it's hard to think of it 24-7. And these coaches like Dan are there, and they're studying, and they're behind the scenes and watching film. I'll never forget, it was last offseason, I think it was last year, or maybe it was before, but now they're all blurred together. Uh, I, it must have been last year when they didn't make the playoffs. 
Right. And I remember seeing Dan at the end of the season, and right, and I said, Dan, you know, hey, what, what are the off-season plans? You're going to go spend time with your family. How's it going? And he said, uh, off-season plans? I mean, I'm going to go home tomorrow and get some sleep, and I'm back at the office the next day. <laughs> and break it down still, we'll start looking ahead of the draft, and start looking right. at the off-season. And, and it just hits you of how crazy it is. These guys just don't stop. So Dan is so prepared, I think, for that next step. Is, you know, he's going as an assistant, but I think he's going to be a head coach one day. And to answer your question uh, from within, well, I think the name to watch to me is Eric Glass. Eric is okay. a guy that was, if you don't know what he looks like, he kind of looks like Spo. <laughs> He's really okay. thin, dark hair, young guy who was working a lot with video and behind the scenes and shooting and things like that, kind of like Spo came up. And okay. this year he was at their G League team as the coach. I think they think highly of Eric. I think maybe he's ready. If not, you know, A.C. Anthony Carter, who was there, you know, you may have seen him behind the scenes this year. Uh, they right. may move him over and slot him to the bench. Uh, I, I know the fans are thinking UD. I know that that's something that – but to be honest with you, look, I haven't seen UD since March, so I don't know. But right. UD, in his conversation, the conversations I've had with UD, A, he was always focused on playing, so he wasn't really thinking after, after career kind of stuff. But to me, UD really wants to be more the role of behind-the-scenes executive like Zoe and Dwayne as a liaison to the team and the organization. And you'll see him there. Remember when Tim Hardaway and Zoe, you'd see them at games, and you still see right. Zoe all the time. Right. I think UD probably wants that role more than the coach traveling, being on the bench, you know, breaking down film kind of guy, at least initially whenever he calls it quits, which is if it's now, it's now. But So I think Eric Glass, to me, is the name to watch. It's not maybe Anthony Carter. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about Jay Crowder's role for the team? Because he is a, he hit, he had a few key threes during the during the playoffs, and he also brings energy to the team. He's also an energy player for the team. I mean, look, Jay's a free agent, and and I think Jay's in a position where I think he has to at his age, and he's made good money in his career. But we talk about right. windows, you know, with Pat Riley and the window of winning. Right. There's only a certain amount of window that these guys are able to make this kind of money, so you have to look out right. for yourself and your family. So I think Jay's biggest thing is he loves it here. The Heat value him and love him here. The right. Heat are not going to, to mess up any kind of cap space for next summer. Uh, yeah. They're just not. So whether it's Goren or Jay or Myers or you know Derek Jones Jr., whatever they do with him, the Heat are going to be careful with their cap space. So I think they would definitely love to keep Jay, and I think Jay would right. love to stay here. But I think that's a conversation for Jay that he has to have with his agent, with his family of like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to stay here a year and make decent money? Do I want to try to chase maybe a couple of years somewhere where I can make a little more money if that, if that opportunity is even out there? Because right. Jay kind of resurrected his career here. You know, he was kind of kind of withering away as a rotation key guy when he went to Memphis. And, he, and all of a sudden you saw his value again to be able to hit threes and defend. I mean, he right. was defending Giannis and LeBron, and he was really tough. So – I think in a perfect world he stays, and I think that he want to keep him. But I, right. I really think it's just going to be a matter of what Jay sees out there and what he wants for himself. Yeah, this is a big season coming up. A lot of people, about it, like you said, the Heat, they're one of the teams pushing themselves for the Giannis case. Because I don't know if he's going to resign or not. He says the right thing, but winning's true at all. I don't know. <laughs> As we just yeah. said, we have a time for a certain championship window. I know he's in the East, but KD's coming back. The Nets are coming back. It's going to be totally different. The landscape is going to be totally different. So yeah. It's going to be a big season for a lot of teams coming up. Yeah. I think for the Heat, especially, I think Pat even referenced it the other day at the end of the season. You know, he said, look, the East is going to look different. You know, the Celtics are going to have another year under their belt with their, right. with their core, and you expect Hayward to be himself. You know, he really wasn't himself much of the season coming back from the injury. Right. And, and look, KD and Kyrie are going to completely change the Nets franchise. You know, new head coach, you got Steve Nash, what they're going to yeah. do there. 
Uh, yeah. Giannis, whether this is his last run with the Bucks or not, that's still obviously a damn good team. Uh, Toronto right. is still a quality team. I mean, the East is going to be stacked next year, and the Heat understand they're not just going to yes. walk their way through the East. I mean, they're, the Heat could, when it's all said, be the fifth seed in the East again next year, even, even if they bring everyone back. So it, it's going to be a challenge, and that's why Pat knows that every little thing, yeah, the Giannis sweet sticks is everyone's going to watch, but – Right. Before then, I think the Heat want to try to keep it. You know, they want to keep this momentum going. I don't think they want to be, you know, hey, jump into this season to be a one and done team after the right. after the season they just had. Right. One thing. One thing I'm watching is how the NBA is going to plan this out because every team can't fit in Orlando. So I think they're going to like have every team playing in their market and have teams stay over longer. That's when conversations yeah. start to come around. Now, it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge huge factor to get over, but they're going to make it work somehow. <laughs> yeah, it, but the bubble was great. The bubble worked. The bubble proved it worked, but the bubble was a one-time deal, man. You can't right. do a bubble. You can't do a bubble in the course of the season. And, and right. you know, Adam Silver, to his credit, has pretty much admitted as much, you know, the league meetings after the season. Uh, right. The reality is they're going to have to come up with a plan that will probably look a lot like Major League Baseball's plan, where you have yeah. you know, teams travel and have, like, their own bubbles, like, just be careful, have protocol where you can't go out, where you can't go out together right. with groups and big and just be careful. And right. unfortunately, like you saw in baseball, and you've seen in other sports, like the NFL is doing a similar thing, you're going to have positive cases. If you're outside right. of a bubble, you're going to have positive cases. It's just impossible not to. You know, it's impossible not to. So it's how you mitigate and protect and then deal with whatever cases come to be. And it's going to be a challenge, but I think if any league can figure it out, it's the NBA. I think they proved that they understand that this is a, a new challenge and a new reality, and I would expect that they'll have a good plan for the season. Yes. Will, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Happy to see you available. Thank you so much. No, man, it's my pleasure, man. Always love talking to Heat basketball. Hopefully we can do it again in a few months. Yes, we will. Thanks, Rod. It's the rest of your day. You got it. You too. Yes, that was Will Monto, Miami Heat reporter. Thanks for joining me. Catch you next time.